Good morning and welcome to the last convo of May term and of this school year. <laughs> yes. All of us are a little bit weary, but I think this convo will be active enough that it'll be enjoyable. It will be presented by Dr. David Hausman, who's a professor of, of mathematics and computer science. David will be teaching a game, a game theory class this next academic year. So if you like what happens in Convo today, you might want to consider signing up for that class. David? Thank you. So games all require players. Today, there are six students who are going to be playing for donations to their favorite nonprofit organization. Ryan Moyer for Nothing for Nets, but Nets. Aaron Kaufman for The Water Project. Ben Sutter for the GC's The Correspondent. Brooke Mallott for the American Red Cross. Max Wise for Christian Peacemaker Teams. And Liz Berg for Middle East Fellowship. So there's going to be somewhere between $200 and $300 on the line today for donations to those organizations. And they will end up splitting up that money. Everyone else gets to play vicariously. Okay, so that's what the clickers are for. So you'll be able to play these games, not exactly the way they will be playing it, but pretty close. All games have rules, but the games we're going to play today have extremely simple rules. So nowhere near anything as complex as this. So the first game I call The Meek Will Inherit the Earth. First rule. There's going to be no communication among players once we actually start the game. So, so this, this page, we're just going to go through and get the rules. If there are questions, we can try to answer those questions about the rules. But then I'll say at some point, OK, now we're starting the game. And at that point, there's no more communication, either verbal or sign language or anything like that. Okay. OK, so what does each player do? All you have to do is choose an amount of money between $20 and $60. Okay? It's not that you receive that, but that's what you get to do. Okay? You get to either write down on an index card a number between $20 and $60. And the people with the clickers, you'll get, I think, nine different choices on the next slide as to amounts of money. Okay? Uh, so here I have an example. So the people with the index cards, you'll be able to actually get it down to the penny. People, everyone else with clickers, I think it's in $5 increments. Okay. Okay, the choices are made in private and simultaneously either on the index cards or the clickers. So that's part of that no communication. So it's not that somehow one player's choice will get revealed before another player's choice. Everyone needs to make their choices. The clickers will ensure that because no one will see the choices until I hit some sort of key, and then we'll see everyone's choice. But somewhat anonymous, we'll just see how many people chose each level. I'll collect the index cards and find out what people chose there. Okay, so now here's how the winnings go. 
The player who chooses the smallest amount, the meek part, will have that amount donated to her or his nonprofit organization. Okay? So that's how the first game is going to be played. Uh, if there's a tie, then they'll share the amount, right? So if, if all six of them happen to choose $30, then each organization will get $5. Okay? Or if there's some, some smaller subset, right? So you'll share whatever amount. So are there any questions about the rules, particularly for the six that are playing it for real? The rules clear? Okay. Okay. So we're going. Oh, yeah. If anyone else wants some clickers, we have a few more. Um, back there as well. Okay, um, and, and so when we get to the next page, for the clicker people, if you've never used them before, all you're going to have to do is press a button. It should light up green when you do that, and that'll register, that'll tell you that your choice has been registered. Um, if you change your mind while the polling is still open, you can press another button. It doesn't make, give you more than one choice, it just takes whatever your last choice was. Okay? So, we're ready now? Okay, so again, people with index cards, you can choose any amount from $20 to $60, down to the penny. Whereas the people with the clicker, these are your only choices. Ready? Oh, 99 responses. Must be pretty good here. Okay. okay, so this is what the people playing vicariously chose. 21% uh, chose $20. So, so almost assuredly, if you were in a group of five other people playing this game, probably the lowest would have been 20, and whoever bid 20 would have gotten to share that 20. Okay, so let's see, what do we have here with the index cards? Now I, now I assured the players that I was not going to reveal them specifically in these games so that they could just go ahead and do the best that they can without any fear of embarrassment or anything like that. So, so all I'm going to tell you is that, uh, well no, I should tell you at least the amounts that were bid so that they know about this. So there, these aren't in any particular order. There was a 31.11, there was a $20. There was a 29.98, there was another 20, there was a 22, and a third 20. So the three people that chose 20 will each share the $20, which will be, what, a little less than $7 each. Okay? So that's the first game. And I'm just curious at this point, um, I was given one of these mics, I was hoping that a few people would be willing to tell us what they chose and why they chose it. 
this is the interactive part, so, so you've, you've got to do something here. Okay, so I chose 20, and the reason I chose 20 was because of a group this size, it was guaranteed that someone was going to choose 20, and it'd be better to share in that 20 than not share in anything at all. Okay, thank you. Some other people. Yeah. I chose 60 because I'm an optimist, and I was hoping everyone else would choose that, and that'd be the most money donated. Ah, okay. I chose 60 because I like to roll high. Okay. Like that. At that point, no one could top that remark, right? So. Oh, no, no, we have someone else. Where? Where did you? Was there someone else that? Not yet? Okay. Okay, well. So. I guess we've learned something, and so I thought we would play that game once again. So we're going to play the same game. Okay? Okay, so polling is open for the clickers. People with the index cards can go ahead and make sure I have this. Ninety responses with clickers. Has everyone that wants to respond responded? Ninety-one all of a sudden. Okay. Oh, we have a few more. Okay. Here we go. Wow. A lot more sixty dollars. Very few in the middle. So let's see what we got here. See, we have a sixty, a twenty, a twenty. A 20, a 20, and a 60, okay? So the four people who chose 20 get to share $20 for their nonprofit organization. Okay. Okay, so let's do just a little bit of mathematical analysis. I promise it won't be too long. But uh, it's already been mainly done by the comments of people in the audience, okay? So as a mathematician, if I'm going to model anything, I need to first start out making very explicit assumptions, okay? So the first assumption I'm going to make here is that the players are self-interested, okay? What that means is that they want to, each person wants to get as much money as possible for their nonprofit organization, okay? And it also says, I'm also assuming that they're really unconcerned about what happens to the other people. Okay? So that they want as much money for their own organization as possible. Okay? Second assumption will be that players can foresee consequences of their actions. So that means they're smart enough to understand the rules of the game. And they can think about possible outcomes of the game. 
And my third and final assumption will be that the above two assumptions are common knowledge among the players. So that, that means that Ryan there can, um, he knows that he and everyone else is self-interested and smart. Okay? And uh, he knows that everyone else knows that he and everyone else is self-interested and smart. And he knows that anything he might think about, everyone else will think about, and vice versa. And of course, that's true for every other player out there. So what can we conclude from these assumptions? Well, let's first off think about, could $30 be the best choice? Well, so I'll pick on Ryan again. So Ryan's thinking about $30. Would that be a good choice? And he knows that if he thinks that, well, everyone else has thought that as well. And so everyone else is thinking, oh, yeah, $30 is the best choice. So, so we're all thinking $30 is the best choice. We put it down. So Ryan's realizing that the other five are all thinking $30. And so they will all get to share $30. Each of them will get $5. But then Ryan thinks, wait a second. If I just choose $29.99, instead of me getting $5, I get $29.99. Right? And so I guess 30 wasn't the best choice. And so we can use this argument for any amount greater than $20. Because if everyone thinks whatever that amount is, is the best choice, then I, as one of the players, could say, oh, well, let me just bid one penny less, and then I'll get everything, rather than a six-way share of some with one penny larger. Okay? So no, and neither is any amount greater than 20. So I guess the only thing we have left is $20. And is that the best choice? Well, let's think about this. If everyone chose 20, what could I do? Well, I can't, I can't choose any less, right? Because that was the smallest amount that you were allowed to choose within the rules. So the only thing I could do is instead of choosing $20 and sharing in the $20, I would get nothing. Right? So either I share the $20 or I get nothing. So there's no incentive for me to move away from $20. So game theorists call a choice where there is no, there, there's no way for me to unilaterally change and do better. I have no regrets in some sense afterwards. Uh, we call that a Nash equilibrium in honor of John Nash. He's of the a beautiful mind fame, that movie about John Nash. Uh, he didn't call it the Nash, he called it the equilibrium, but we call it Nash equilibrium in his honor because he was the one that came up with this idea and he was the one that proved that essentially every game has such an equilibrium in it. Okay. But this is a rather depressing view at this point, right? Gee, I mean, wouldn't $60 be better? So instead of sharing 20, let's share 60, right? Someone was very optimistic out there, right? Likes the high, high roller. Um, yeah, well, that would be better for everyone if everyone could do it, right? If everyone stuck to that, the problem would be is that, boy, if I can just convince the five other people 
that $60 is the way to go, then what do I do? I choose $59.99, and I get a large amount for my nonprofit organization. Okay, so, so what does this have to do with the real world, this little game? Okay. So, um, it's, it's going to be in any situation where there's a strong individual incentive to do one thing, but if everyone could agree to do something else, everyone would be better off. Okay? So if you're doing a group project, typically, if everyone else in the group works pretty hard, then I can pretty much slough off and still get a good grade in that project. There's a strong incentive for me to not do much work, but of course, if everyone does that, then we all get to share a very low grade. So is there some way that we can get ourselves to cooperate? Well, maybe through some sort of an agreement. See, I cut off communication, right? So maybe we can communicate with each other. So what I do is I communicate to everyone, you know, if we all work really hard, then we'll get a great grade. And now that I've convinced everyone else to work hard, then I don't have to work. Uh, it's pretty much accepted now that we're headed toward a global climate catastrophe because of carbon emissions. But you know, it's really costly for a country to reduce carbon emissions. So, you know, it'd be really great if all those other countries would do that. They'd pay a lot of money to reduce their carbon emissions. And then my country, yeah, we don't have to do very much with it. We'd like to get beyond this. We'd like to go to some sort of way of agreeing among ourselves to do this. That would be great if we could do that. Uh, gas station prices. If you're a gas station owner and you lower your price a little bit, you get lots of customers. And even though you're making a little bit less per customer, usually you get so many more customers that, in fact, you make more money. And so there's a strong incentive for gas station owners to lower their prices. But you know, if every gas station owner did that, then no one's going to make very much profit, right? So wouldn't it be great, from the gas station owner's perspective, if they could somehow cooperate and hold their prices high so that they all garner high profits? Unfortunately, in the United States, that's, that sort of cooperation is called collusion. See, cooperation it doesn't always have a positive connotation associated with it. So that's called collusion, it's illegal. So, but is there some way of getting cooperation without an agreement? Because see, that wouldn't be illegal. Um, mass transit, you know, if everyone pays a little bit, we have some good transportation. But if you're like in Portland, where almost no one checks whether or not you actually have purchased a ticket, there's a strong incentive not to purchase the ticket. But there's a strong communal interest in everyone purchasing that ticket, because otherwise the system won't survive. So how do we get to this point of cooperation? So I could spend the rest of the convo talking about this in different ways people have come up with how do you get to a cooperative agreement. Certainly one way is to force everyone to do it. Another way is to... Uh, convince everyone that it's in their best interest 
So we change. Self-interest is no longer the guiding principle. But um, I won't have time to play another game. So, so let's play another game. This one I call the ultimatum. Uh, lots of people call this one the ultimatum game. Okay. So the proposer, so this, this is a two-person game. Okay, it's just a two-person game. So the one comment was there were so many people in the room that there's bound to be someone to choose 20. Well, this one, you're only playing against one other person. For the six people who are playing for real, what I'm going to do is I'm going to gather your cards, I'm going to shuffle them up, and the first card will be the first proposer, and the second card will be the first responder, and the two of you will play, and then I'll put those cards aside, and then I'll take the next two. Okay? So in fact, it's going to be played three times among you. And the people that are playing vicariously can kind of think of it that uh, you're playing against some sort of randomly chosen person in the audience. So the proposer just proposes how to divide $60 between him or herself and another randomly, as I said, with the index cards, it's going to be randomly selected who you're playing against. So you don't know which of the other five you're playing against. Okay? So here's an example of what you might write on your index card. You could write, I want $50, and the other person gets $10. Okay? So that's the kind of thing you would write down on your index card. That's one of the things you'd write down. That's for the proposer. And then the responder, the other player, either accepts or rejects the proposer, the, the proposal. So the responder might say, well, if I'm offered at least $5, I'll accept. Otherwise, I'll reject. And you could also say things like, I'll only accept it if it's an odd number or something. But I, I don't know that that would be the, the best way to choose your strategy. Okay? So now, the, the point for the index card people is, of course, you don't know yet which one you're going to be, whether you're going to be the proposer or the responder. So you need to put down something for both. Right? You're going to put down a one line that says something like $50 to me, 20, you know, it doesn't have to be those numbers. Right? So you get to choose how you're going to split up the $60. And then the responder, as, a, as in the role of the responder, you need to write down something that will be clear when I read it out up here whether or not you've accepted the proposal that's been offered. Okay? And so for everyone else in the audience, that's the same thing that you are doing, at least in your mind, or if you have a sheet of paper, jot it down. There are going to be two screens that will come up. And then once again, you won't have a complete range of choices. You'll just have nine choices for each of them. Okay? And so you have to think about it beforehand and then try to match it as best as possible. But I'm not going to put up your screens until I've collected their cards. Well, no, I can put up your first screen. Uh, oh, wait, yeah, so I already said accepted. So I've got to say, the accepted proposal is carried out. Right? I need to say how, how, you know, so if you accept, then it works. Okay? So in this example, the proposer would receive the 50, and the, the uh, responder would receive the 10. Okay? But if the, if the responder rejects, Right? If the responder up here had said, well, if offered at least $20, I'll accept, otherwise not, well, then that would be a rejection, and neither of you get anything. Okay? So the only way anyone gets anything here is if the responder accepts the proposal. Okay? So, so everyone should choose a strategy for each role, and I've already said that the real players be randomly matched in assigned roles.
Okay. Any questions on the rules? So the people with the clickers, there's, at, there's your proposer possibilities. Um, so you can start choosing. And I'll go down and collect from the index card people when they've decided. Of course, you, you don't have to choose those numbers. You can choose down to the penny. Okay, so let's see what, uh, has everyone clicked that's going to click on the proposal? Okay, we'll close shop on that. Okay, so about 45% did an equal split. Okay, 9% said 60 for me. A few people were really generous, right, down the 8 and 9. They're willing to give more to the other person than to themselves. Okay, so people with the clickers, here are the possible, so, so you may have thought of something not quite what I have up there, but you can you know, try to choose one that's as close as possible. more seconds. Okay. Okay, so 22% would be willing to accept any offer. But 28% need at least $30 before they'd accept. And some people as responders, want more than what the proposer would get. Okay? So that's, that's the kind of results we got from the audience. So let's see what we got from our real players. So the first person says, propose $50 for me, $5 for the other. Okay. The response was, accept if offered at least a penny. Okay, so that one is accepted, right? So the first person got 55, the second got five. Okay. The next proposer said, 30 for me, 30 for you. The response, accept any amount. So that one goes too. Get to give away money. And the last proposer said, 30 to me, 30 to you. The response was, yes, I accept. <laughs> Good, so I get to give away money to every group now. Okay. Okay, so the theory, 
With self-interested players, well, you know, if you're a responder, you should accept as long as you get at least something, right? I mean, if you get zero, I could see maybe rejecting out of spite or something, but, but if you're self-interested, any amount that's offered to you, you should accept. Well, the proposer, knowing this, should be willing to give very, very little to the responder. So, in fact, that was very much like the first round, right? 55-5, and that was accepted, okay? In experiments, however, just like we saw here, um, average offers are usually pretty high. They're, they're in the 40 to 50 percent range. Um, and so you might say, well, people are altruistic. But that's not quite right, because there's a version of this game called the dictator game, in which what you do is you, as the proposer, make a proposal, and the other player has nothing to say about it. Okay. The other person just gets whatever you've offered that person. And uh, in that situation, when you make it totally double-blind, so the proposer really does feel like no one is seeing what they just did, people usually offer around 10%. Okay, so that might be the altruistic quotient, is giving 10%. I don't know, the tithe? Although, although charitable giving in the United States is a little bit below 2% of income. I guess there might be a difference between whether you thought you earned the money versus if you're just being given the money. Okay, so 10%. If you do the dictatorship in the situation where the proposer knows that someone might see what they did, all of a sudden the, pro the proposals go up to 20%. Okay, so social acceptance is really important. And then finally, when there's the possibility of rejection, it pops up to 40 to 50%. So, so people really are thinking about strategic risk here. Um, so that's that comment. Uh, in experiments on the responder's part, um, offers of 40 to 50% are generally always accepted, although there were people in, in this group, that, in the clicker group, that were unwilling to accept a 50-50, right? Okay, the responders. But, but usually it's this, usually takes really pretty low offers, around 20%. Okay. So this says, you know, the fact that you're willing to give up 20%, you're willing to harm yourself to cause the other to be punished. Okay, so that's what's happening here. So where do these things sort of come up in the real world? Uh, anytime there's a negotiation where one party makes a proposal and then the other party, all they get to do is either accept or reject. So right here, this, uh, the client apparently is the proposer and the devil is the responder. Um, such ultimatums occur every time you walk into a store because the store has made a proposal at a price and you either accept it or reject it. Okay? Even things like marriage proposals are often done this way, where one makes a proposal and there's a lot, not just marry, I mean there's all sorts of things related to that, and then the other person either accepts or rejects. Now, of course, Negotiations may go on longer in any of these situations, but the ultimatum game is kind of the, the, the simple essence of what's going on there. Okay, so um, I've only hinted at the many ways that game theorists uh, 
mathematicians, economists, uh, political scientists, biologists, anthropologists, theologians, and many others have used game theory to um, model strategic interactions among people, companies, nations, even genes. Uh, here are a few sources on which this uh, combo was based. Uh, and in addition, as Becky mentioned at the beginning, uh, I am offering a course in the fall. If you're interested in this sort of thing, you might want to sign up for that. Uh, you are free to go out into our strategic world. Please leave your clickers on the ends of the aisles as you go out. Thank you.